you are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Locked On Indians. I'm your host, Jeff Ellis. We have not really a special guest, but I've been talking about how I was bringing in two guest hosts, not guest hosts, two permanent hosts or, you know, two additional hosts to the show. Uh, you got to hear Pat over the past few weeks. Today, uh, Caleb, Caleb Phillips joins us. I will give him a chance to, you know, uh, tell you where to find his work. He's been writing for IBI, getting some time at Akron, which if any of the listeners know, really exciting team, especially post trade deadline. So we'll definitely talk some Akron because in terms uh, previous experience, I know uh, writing, uh, Inter- I got to know when I was looking for guest hosts, uh, the fantastic work he was doing with uh, was oh I don't want to butcher the college I won't say which college because uh, I don't I, I want to say like Hillsborough but that could be wrong off the top of my head uh, and he's also been doing all the great if you notice the lockdown Indians account is no longer like dead that is all thanks to Caleb so without further ado uh, Caleb anything else you want to tell them and if nothing else make sure to tell them where they can find you on Twitter. Absolutely, yeah. Caleb Phillips is the name. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Caleb Phillips Eight. Also, uh, make sure to follow the Lockdown Indians Twitter at Lockdown Indians, uh, or I believe it's LO underscore Indians. Um, so yeah, make sure you're following that page as well. Trying to get out some content there as well. But yeah, Houghton College is where I went. I did some work there, and and now been writing for for IVI this summer. So it's been a, it's been a, a fun summer, and I'm happy to be a part of the team here at Lockdown. I had the H right. Like I was, I was at least a little close, which I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll give myself credit for. Uh, like I said, today's show, uh, if we have some time, we'll talk about the White Sox series. Uh, it was, it was a weird series. I think very squarely would be the best way to describe it is weird. Uh, but first, I, the deadline was so active. I did a locked on now, so you can find that video of talking about it. But I just thought we'd talk about some of these trades and maneuvers and. Uh, with Pat, I talked about the Cesar deal um, for Connor Pilkington depth, but I was just kind of curious, like I mentioned earlier, you have some time in double A. Uh, did they, have they made any note or mention of Connor showing up there yet uh, with the Indians? No, no, no roster moves there. They just sent out one today and um, just a couple IL moves, nothing, nothing moving for, for the pitchers um, so far. And, and really what's kind of crazy is they just added three new arms over the past couple of weeks with, with Logan T. Allen, Cody Morris, and Adam Scott. So wondering if there's some upward movement or if there are going to be some guys shifting to the pen here moving forward. Yeah, it is interesting because you think, I mean, Morris, I feel like I could almost do a whole show on anyone who's listening is probably telling me just to stop talking about Cody Morris. And <laughs> Logan T. Allen, uh, or Logan Allen the Younger, I'm going to ins- keep calling him that until uh, – Till it catches on, which will be without forever, listeners. But he's one of those guys. When we had our, when I had some guests on back in December, who were related to like the scouting community, everyone wanted to talk about him. And Adam Scott was a senior sign, but he's been effective. So you, you do wonder the rest of that rotation. I know Juan Hillman pitched yesterday, second round pick. If he is going to shift roles, or if he will get promoted, and then, you know, at some point, Joe. You know, I was, I was talking to someone last night. Maybe you can shed some light. Uh, what is Joey Cantillo's injury? Do you know? We have not seen him yeah. all year, but 
yeah. So when I talked to Rugi, probably a manager of Akron Rubber Ducks, Rugus Odor, the uh, uncle of of um, Rufnet Odor on the Yankees, he um, just said it was oblique injury, and obviously that progressed into something that they didn't really want to mess with. Um, and yeah, last I asked, they they really haven't heard anything about him. I, I should have asked Adam Scott and Cody Morris, and I may may ask them if I'm out in Akron here this coming week. You know what he's going through, but doesn't really seem like he's going to be out there anytime soon. And with the pitching depth they're getting, he, he might not need to be out in Akron. Maybe he, if he does report somewhere, maybe it's a, it's like County or something like that, but we'll see what happens. We haven't really heard a lot of, about him in the last and couple he's, of months. He's another one of those rule five guys. So they, mm-hmm. they like need to figure something out exactly with him, or maybe they tried to hide him in that own separate way. Uh, you know, before we move on to the big three deals, did, you know, I, I talked about at the end of the day for Cesar, I'm happy they took the best offer and everyone who gets mad. The one thing I trust the Indians implicitly with is scouting high level arms and other organizations. Like I would think fans would learn by now. I, I remember I am of an age to have been like outraged when the, when they traded uh, Westbrook uh, and got Corey Kluber. Cause in my mind, I thought they were getting Corey Lubick who was an Ohio state pitcher who was like a top 100 prospect. I thought for sure they're going to get a valuable P. And then I was like, this Kluber guy isn't even in their top 10. I, you know, I was going and digging places. So I, I've learned my lesson. Uh, you know, what were your kind of thoughts before we, we move on to the Friday trade? Yeah, I mean, I definitely, I think, share that thought with you is, is if Cleveland's acquiring an arm, there there must be something there they think they um, can build on or, or they really like a certain skill set of that person. I definitely... Um, share that sentiment for sure, you know, um, in their track record, you know, they, they pick up guys they, they think can pitch and, and they try and add a couple of things with, with their, you know, pitching development. And, and they've done a great job of, with that over the years. So I definitely trust them as well. And I, I was trying to find my old tweets on Pilkington back from his college days. And I, I thought it was interesting that I found one where I was doing like a mid July of that draft season, like, mock top 10 mocks it was like just totally off the cuff and i had him going sixth overall so it gives you an idea of like the prospect he was considered heading into his his draft season uh so interesting and the one thing we've seen with sorry i have to uh grab a cat here or he's gonna just be so loud the whole podcast is gonna hear it uh one thing we've seen with the indians specifically more 2019 uh just because how weird 2020 and 2021 were is they don't get as stuck on junior year production they drafted a lot of guys who were really good in the Cape in 2019, like Hunter Gaddis, who did not have the best junior year. So we've seen some of that with them. And uh, I'll be curious to see uh, what they can do with Pilkington. Uh, the White Sox developmental side has not been the strongest of late. It used to be really good, but it is not quite where it used to be. Uh, so I'm very curious to see, because th- we know there had to be other offers. And this is the guy they decided they wanted to, to switch gears, talk about the other free agent that they added, Eddie Rosario. Uh, there might've been no trade on Friday that caused me more internal heartburn than the responses to deal. Uh, for fans listening, what you have to understand with Eddie Rosario is this deal clearly shows if they couldn't trade him, they were gonna cut him. And it's, this wasn't about the Dolans are cheap, it's that Eddie Rosario was always kind of a DH playing outfield. He was always bad there, but when he was 16% above league average offensively, you doubt you could do that. This past year, he's about 16% below league average. He doesn't run well. He doesn't play defense. He wasn't hitting. 
monetary savings are nice if you're especially if they reinvest it I, I can't promise that but if that's money that's put towards next year that'd be fantastic uh, on the other side of things i mean just if he was on the team and he's not getting at bats that he's going to be po'd and that's going to cause issues so they were going to cut him so they they got something uh i'm glad they didn't even make an attempt to bring in sandoval uh he's just it would have been silly and they just really opened the door for youth with that trade uh you know i saw people saying the indians trade their third best bat for nothing he he was not uh he was not in any way. I thought it was a great free agent signing i was totally wrong uh you gotta admit when you when you swing and you miss and that's what the indians did they they admitted an error and they moved on from it uh you know what were your thoughts did you did you enjoy the the eddie rosario reactions yeah, I mean, there was definitely some, some mixed reactions, and I understand. It, it's something that if you're not as, like, plugged in as the guys like you are into the team and the understanding of the 40-man roster, salary cutting, things like that, it, it can be perplexing. I had a couple friends, you know, text me asking similar questions to what you just – or similar things to what you just answered. And, and you know, I think the good thing is they, they saved about $2 million. That's uh, what Zach Meisel reported um, this past weekend. And, uh, you know, that's – you know, at least you're not paying him all the eight mil that were was owed to him, so that's a little bit of savings. But I mean, the per- the good thing is that that they're opening a roster spot, so we're gonna be able to see some younger guys get some at bats moving forward. Maybe that opens a spot like Nolan Jones here in the coming in the coming days, which I know some of our listeners are are clamming for. But um, yeah, we'll we'll see what happens here moving forward. I, I mean, he wasn't providing them anything; he was hurt, and obviously. No one, even the Indians, didn't want him. So, as long as they're opening forty-man roster spot, I think it's, you know, a deal that had to be made. Yeah, he was one of those guys. I mean, the free agent market wasn't even really there for him. So it's, an, I'm more surprised that Atlanta, more surprised just Atlanta in general. I feel like they added like four outfielders at the deadline, just doing a mm-hmm. everything in the wallet stick. But yeah, it was definitely the one that that generated. I feel like the most talk. Uh, though that is not the. I think generated best outcomes. And I think the next two deals, honestly, I don't even think it's up for debate. The next two deals are much more interesting than the Rosario deal. And we'll get to those deals in a second here. But first, we're going to take one moment. We're going to take a fantastic sponsor break. Well, the break may not be fantastic, but the sponsor is, and that is BuiltBar.com. Any year on here, a year and a half now talking about Built Bar. And as I always say, this is a product that... Uh, Yes, at first I was paid to talk about Now I pay them to buy the product. I have multiple boxes of Built Bar upstairs. Uh, I get very bored with things. I do not get bored with Built Bar. It is great tasting. According to my health food app, they give it an A when it's time for that uh, protein bar during the day. So it tastes great. They're always putting new interesting flavors out, which is what help keeps it helps to keep it fresh. They're official sponsor of the U.S. track and field team. You get a free mini cooler with most of your orders right now. What else can I tell you? many reasons to order but the bottom line it just tastes great and it's good for you and i keep ordering more built bar because for me personally i'm someone who's gluten-free and most of those bars taste roughly like building material and this bar is not at all it's it's just it tastes great go to builtbar.com use the promo code locked 15 that 15 percent off will get you the same discount i get as a repeat customer builtbar.com remember to use that promo code locked 15 Trying not to say so, because uh, that is the the whole thing I say every single time we come back from break, but I think I avoided it in, in a way. We have two more deals that occurred. I think we'll start with the Miles Straw one, because that's that's the bigger 
there were some interesting bits that came out with the Miles Straw deal. One, I felt good in my evaluations, but I've spent like the last three years, if you listen to the show, discussing trades for Miles Straw and why I would like to see him in an Indian's uniform. So I'm sure there's many listeners who couldn't help but laugh when it happened. Uh, and additionally, it turned out that the Indians have been trying for a few years to add Miles Straw. And I have a theory of why it finally came together this year. But they do that straw trade for uh, Maton and Yanir Diaz. Yanir's probably the third best catching prospect, but probably also wasn't a catcher, if we're being honest. Uh, another guy who would have been Rule 5 eligible. I, I don't think there's any way they would have protected him just where he was placed. Maton has the great peripherals, the great spin. He never was given consistent reps here, and he was just never consistent here. Uh, the reason I think finally came together was I think the Indian, the Houston Astros got desperate. This deadline was supposed to be, I mean, I had people telling me that you weren't going to see any big prospects go talking to organizations. And then all of a sudden everything turned on its head and it became a seller's market. It just, it turned all those teams who did early deals are regretting it because the, the market completely turned and the Astros were locked out and they needed a reliever. And I think Maton appealed to them. I think Miles Straw's performance this year also made it so the Indians felt a little bit comfortable paying more. Uh, I'll, you know, I don't want to hog all the airtime here. So I'm going to throw it to Caleb for your thoughts. And then, you know, I'll maybe put a button or talk a little bit about uh, just why I like straw so much. Yeah. I mean, I mean, straw is definitely an interesting ad and, and there's definitely a lot of reasons why the Indians would have wanted him. Um, I think a lot of people right away, they, they comp him to, Bradley Zimmer, and there are definitely some similarities. Obviously, speed-oriented, not a lot of power, but, um, you know, Straw does not swing and miss as much as uh, as a Bradley Zimmer does. He's he's 98th percentile in the majors in whiff rate. Um, and so, obviously, when he swings, he makes contact, and that's a good thing that, you know, obviously you want to put the ball in play. You don't want him striking out, especially with that speed. So um, And he doesn't chase the ball here. So, so he's very good um, at identifying pitches to swing at. Um, does he hit the ball hard all the time? No, power is definitely not as – and hitting the ball hard is not something he uh, he's very strong at. But there are definitely some interesting um, tools for him, you know, uh, very similar to guys that the Indians like, like uh, Nolan Miller, Tyler Freeman, uh, to name a couple. But, um, you know, contact-oriented guys that the, the Indians have really looked for in the last couple of, uh, couple of years. So I, I think he could be someone that could stick with them moving forward. Is he the answer in center field? Maybe. Um, his floor though, I think he could definitely be a solid fourth or fifth outfielder, good defender, speed off the bench at the very worst. So there's, it's some interesting stuff. And for someone that maybe wasn't a part of the plan in the future and someone that was their, uh, third best prospect at the position in the system on a team that already has two of the best defensive catchers in the, in the uh, major league. So I was definitely a fan of the deal and I'm excited to see him, you know, in Cleveland for the next couple of years. Yeah, they have almost no options at center field, depending on how you view Mercado and Zimmer anytime in the immediate future. Uh, Daniel Johnson has definitely seemed to have slid down their track a bit, and some of those other young guys. I mean, we talk about Steve Kwan another day and what he's doing as a center fielder in Akron. Uh, so they get a guy with five years of control who, according to Baseball Savant, is like 96 in speed and 95 in defense, doesn't whiff, doesn't chase, I, you know, you can find the tweets as on record saying he might have the worst power in all of baseball. So he promptly homered in his second game in Cleveland just to, to make me look like I don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, comparative to me, I think there is some room for comparison to two great defensive center fielders 
uh, the two Kevins, uh, Pilar and Kiermaier. Now, I don't think he's going to get to Pilar's kind of home runny totals when Pilar like hit 20 and he hit 15, 16, 12. Like, not that I don't think he's not. Like, that's not going to happen. But when I look at Kev- Kevin Pilar, he will probably have higher on bases than him. So when I go over to Kiermaier, Kiermaier might be a little bit closer, though his on bases uh, still are not as high as Miles Straw. Miles Straw had an on base average uh, higher than the league average, like 10 to 12 points above league average. Now, again, there's no power, and his platoon splits aren't great. Like you want him hitting first against uh, right handers and ninth against left handers because the defense is there. I, I'm bullish. I think that he's going to be. When he's, I, I said I think he could be a three-win player, and then I when I looked at his numbers, he was a two-win player when they acquired him. He's just got to get one more you know, win over the last few games in terms of compiling, which should be relatively easy for him as long as he plays every day. Uh, I think you just he's a guy that can put out there, and you just don't worry about it. He's going to provide an elite level of defense and then get on base and walk. And, again, he's not going to he's not going to hit. It, that might be the only home run he hits this year with the Indians. Like I would, if you're like the over under, you know, we get to our next sponsor and talk about them over under on miles draws home runs the rest of the year. If they set the over, so a bit of a technical difficulty jumping back in now. Uh, I was saying I would put the over under if I ran a gambling site at one and I'd probably still bet the under and it's not a knock on him. He is what he is. He's on base speed and defense. And the nice thing with that profile is it's one that's less likely to slump just because of that ability to walk, there's also to get on base. Do you have any other points, uh, anything you want to say about any of the other parts or pieces in that one? No, yeah, I think you hit it right on the head. I mean, he's someone that, you know, they could definitely put out there and not really, really worry about too much. And and with the uh, inconsistency, inconsistencies they've gotten with the outfielders that have been coming up, Mercado, Johnson, Zimmer, it'd be nice to have someone that, uh, you know what you're going to get from him. So, um, like I said, excited to see what uh, the Indians get from him moving forward. Then they did one more kind of last moment deal, which was interesting. And I'm kind of having a, a bit of a, oh yeah, now I remember. I was forgetting the secondary part. Uh, Jordan Luplo was the, and I'm, I'm glad to see him gone for no other reason than I feel like no matter how I say his last name, someone tells me I'm saying it wrong. Uh, when I say Luplo, when I say Luplo, there's always someone telling me, no, it's the other way. And I watch the games and I sit there and I, I've overthought this to the point. I just can't get it right. So I'm glad that he has traded away just because his name was an Achilles heel. Uh, you know, he was so good in 2019, 2020, he started off rough and had a good ending this year. He started out great. Then he kind of slowed down. Then he got hurt. Uh, my, my tweet when it happened was, it's really funny that they traded the, the guy they got to replace Brandon Geyer as their platoon bat for to the team. They got Brandon. And then DJ Johnson, I'm not even sure if he's currently with the Cleveland organization because I believe he is part of Team USA. So I think he's over in Tokyo uh, pitching for them. And I had forgotten that they had added him to the roster. I believe they signed him out of a, a league in Asia this past year. I can't remember if it was Korea. I think it might have been the Korean League. Uh, he got an opportunity. He was kind of a late camp depth, depth arm or maybe a February depth arm. I can't remember exactly when they signed him. But they traded both those pieces. So that does clear up a 40 man spot. Uh, it clears up too, because the guy that got back Peyton, uh, Batonfield Battenfield doesn't even have to be added to the 40 man at the end of the year. He's a guy that's, even though he's already at double a, uh, and missed his entire, uh, 2020 season, you know, he's, uh, he was drafted in 2019. So he did someone you don't have to worry about till next year. And he is fascinating. 
as this is his third organization. Three teams have liked him enough, one to draft him, one to trade for him, one to trade for him again. And those three teams are the the Astros, the Royals, and the Indians. That's a pretty uh, good group of teams to have interest. And, you know, before I dive too deep, the other thing I have to point out that's interesting is, like, when I went to baseball reference to look him up, because I was not super familiar, uh, they have him listed as a relief pitcher. He was a relief pitcher almost entire. He had one game he started during his college career uh, over three seasons. So then he went to the Astros. They made him a starter. He stayed there. Uh, what were your thoughts on this trade, on adding uh, Batenfield? Uh, I'll dive into the numbers after that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I was definitely a fan of of Luplo. That's what I've called him, or Luplo. I, I definitely <laughs> flip-flopped on the two, but I was definitely a fan of him. I always liked him as a platoon bat. Um, they've always been lefty-heavy, so it was nice to have um, a right-handed bat that really excelled against left-handers, much like Brandon Geyer back in 2016 and 17. Um but yeah, I'm not sure how much he fit into the into the outfield picture moving forward. They have so many options that they're going to probably be looking through over the next couple of years. Uh, maybe a right-handed bat like his would have helped. But obviously, you know, we hit on this earlier. If if Cleveland is interested in an arm, um, you know, the minor leagues, I, I trust that they're identi- they've identified something in him that they think they can they can build on and make him a, a usable starter in the long term. Um, and yeah, he'll be someone that's interesting to watch. And, and I think a lot of people on Twitter. Um, talked about making deals that save 40-man roster spots. And in this trade, you you um, cut two 40-man roster spots, and then you don't even have to add um, the new arm, um, Battenfield. I'm not sure how to say it either, uh, Battenfield, you know, to the 40-man this coming year. So that's that was definitely a win in that trade as well. Yeah, and he's – I mentioned I want to talk about the numbers because to me they're in, inescapable. Uh, anyone who listens to the podcast knows – before the draft happened, someone asked me, like, what are the Indians going to do? I'm like, look for pitchers with K rates over 10 per nine and strikeout rates under three per nine. Uh, I mentioned on Friday, show that Connor Pilkington, a little over three, a little over Tattenfield. Uh, this is across high A and double A, 1.6 walk per nine, 12.7 strikeout per nine. He's allowed 16 runs in 67 innings. And, and remember, he became a starter in 2019, had all of 39 innings. He had five starts. There is no 2020. You come into 2021 here, and he's up to 12 starts. Uh, so he's more than doubled his career starts this season. So it's a new role, really, for him, and he's working on being a different type of guy. I feel like, is he undersized? Is that why he was a reliever? No, he's 224. Uh, he's a big guy. It's interesting. Like He went to Oklahoma State, which is a good baseball program, but not one where I think that a major league potential major league talent would not be put in the rotation at some point. Uh, so yeah, he's, he's in some regards, like I'm a little more intrigued by him than Pilkington just because of the numerical performance and the relative newness to the, I know he was a back end Royals top 30 guy. I haven't dug a whole ton, not Royals praise wrong. Our team uh, back end top 30 guy, but I got to dig more into his pitch mix and stuff. But I, that Akron team, like I said, it's going to be fun for you with when you got Logan yeah. Allen, you've got likely Pilkington and Bat- Battenfield and uh, Cody Morris. If Cantillo comes back, if he doesn't, if they decide to move up Tanner Burns and shift Adam Scott to maybe more of a relief role. I mean, I don't know. There, there's going to be more arms coming that rotation. Uh, it's, 
I don't know if I've ever seen a rotation that's literally five top 30 prospects before. That's going to be something to watch. Absolutely. And I think what, you know, Cleveland Indians fans should be most excited about with that is a huge issue this year was the lack of upper tier depth in their, uh, in their starting pitchers. So with this coming up here, you got, you know, five or six guys that could potentially be added to the, to the 40 man in the next year or two and really provide some, some good and, and quality depth here moving forward. So that's exciting for sure. Um, you know, and then they'll still have Bieber, Savali, Plesak, and guys like McKenzie hopefully continue to develop Eli Morgan um, here moving forward. So it's definitely exciting. And, and hopefully if, if this depth continues to excel, you know, we, they can uh, move that into, into reinvesting it into other pieces that are of need, maybe an outfielder, maybe a position player or something like that. All really good points. They definitely, that depth has been such an issue with that team uh, at points. I mean, with the major league team, with the minor league team, uh, we've seen a lot of great organizational soldiers pitch up and down, but uh, having real prospect, having players who the organization views as potential uh, major league types is huge. Let's take another quick sponsor break here. And let's, I kind of hinted at our other sponsor today. That is Bet Online, our official sponsor for all things lines, uh, anything you can imagine they have over on betonline.ag. And if you heard the typing, you know, that means we're going to go look and see what the line is for tomorrow's game. Remember that when you line.ag, you want to use that promo code locked on. That promo code is going to get you a 50% bonus on your first deposit that's right whatever you put in you get 50 percent more is a day game if you did not know yet eli morgan on the mound versus toronto blue jays who have robbie ray on the mound this is first the indians you just got to look at where those two teams are trending i'm sure you can guess the indians are the team getting a run and a half if you think that eli morgan is going to beat the blue jays tomorrow then you should go to betonline.ag our official sponsor for all things betonline.ag promo code locked on so i said you know if we had time to get to this white Sox series uh we don't need to go in depth i think at the end of the day taking one out of three is, is pretty decent when these are two teams trending very different directions so much so that one team got worse for this year while the other team got better in a trade again i think it was a good trade i'm not criticizing it but these are two teams trending in opposite ways the Offensive explosion on Saturday was fun. Uh, you know, to tell a personal story, uh, today I did not watch the game. I took my daughter to a, a local Northwoods League game, and at the end of the game, she got to run the bases, except for she's three. She didn't know how it works, so she kept running. So she crossed plate home plate three times before I was able to get on the field and explain to her, you can stop. I bring this up because she crossed the plate as many times in the game today as both teams did. Uh, she officially had as many runs scored as the White Sox and the Indians. I understand the drama with the hit pitches. I did not understand how much that is a thing. Like White Sox fan, there's a subset of White Sox fans who think like it's intentional. But big picture, can you honestly tell me you think that either of the beatings were intentional in this series? Like giving tying a game up, and then based on Karen Chalk's reaction. Yeah. No. I, it's. I mean, their plan is to pitch an up and in. That, I mean, they talked about that. That's where they're pitching him. And it's, it's, it's clearly obvious that neither was on purpose. And, and I get the the other side more in the middle where you got to stop hitting him. You know, it's the same thing with the Marlins and, and Acuna over the last couple of years. But, um, you know, two guys that don't exactly excel in control at times 
Quantrill's got that fastball that really runs in on right-handers. And Karinchak, we know how he's been since the uh, <laughs> the, the new rules have kicked in. So, uh, yeah, you know, it's just it's just something that's part of baseball, and you, you understand why they're upset. But definitely some overreactions, I think, on the on the Chicago side. We saw. <laughs> Multiple issues with Karen Chalk in this series. General review: Do you keep him in that back end role? Do you keep rolling him out? I mean, I've I've talked about the the spin rate drop, and I've also talked about. I mean, this is a guy I saw in the minors. You know, back when I was covering Double A, uh, I'd sit there and talk with, with Jake Dungan and Daniel Sheriff when they were the the guys for IBI. Uh, you know, he had that big leap. Do we now think that all of that leap was due to some spider tack? Yeah, I mean, it's 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 really hard to wrap your mind around that. You know, the only reason he was this dominant pitcher was because of a little sticky stuff. You know, I think he's maybe not as good as we've seen him, but I think he's someone that could be effective. Still got a really tough arm slot, still mid to upper 90s with a with a really good breaking ball, you know. Is he a back-end guy moving forward? Maybe not. Maybe that's what was the difference for him. But I think it's still someone who can be effective moving forward. And and at this point in the season, too, I, I think you got to let him try and work it out. I mean, what, the Indians aren't playing for anything at this point except developing these guys and, and getting them better here moving forward. So, you know, I think you kind of just keep it as it is. And then if it, if it continues to, to regress this badly, I think that's where you start to reevaluate going into the next season. What I worry about him with is just, again, that experience of being around him in double-A. He's, you know, I don't want to, you know, we, we get used to throwing labels out there. Like, oh, that person's OCD, and I don't want to ever do that because that gets overdone. So that's just the better way to put it nowadays. I know that reviewer of mine who said I'm too woke is right now grinding his teeth. I'm sorry, dude. Uh, but, like, he is someone who's just a stickler for detail. Like, he would have a specific number of pitches he had to throw to warm up, and if he didn't get to that number, it would affect the way he pitched at points. I wonder how much he is in his own head right now. Like maybe he is, maybe he's not as good as he was where he was borderline otherworldly. And you know, that makes sense. It's hard to be that good, but I wonder if he is better than what he's shown, but it just, even with like control has always been an issue for him. Uh, And I'm sure the spider tech helped, but he's one of those players where I do wonder, like, you know, do I don't want to say like, you need a sports psychologist, I, you know, again, I don't want to label push anything, but I wonder some, I mean, we've all done athletics and we all know that that's a thing. Like we have all, anyone who's played a sport has gotten in their head too much and tried too hard and you're pressing and the effect that has, I, I just wonder if that could be a factor with him uh, going forward. And I did before we, we run out of time here, speaking of relievers, one, I want to get the uh, correct pronunciation and two, uh, going forward with this team. They don't have to protect him this year, so I do not think we'll see him. But I think the top reliever in the entire organization is still in Akron, right? And and Nick uh, Miklojak. Uh, why don't you give Miklojak, me... Miklojak, yeah. Why don't you give me protect day three pick, just like Cody Allen, too. I believe mm-hmm. day three pick. Maybe I'll be wrong. I want to say like a 12th rounder. Uh, you've got a chance to like see him. So why don't you maybe, with Karen Chalk's struggles, let's talk about the guy who's maybe the next best chance to be a back-end arm in the, the Cleveland Indians system. Yeah, Nick Miklicek, uh really impressed me early in the season. He, he's fallen back to earth a little bit here, but still still really good numbers. Got an ERA around two and a half, uh, six saves in 18 games here this year. Kane about thir- uh, 13 for nine. He's he's definitely got really interesting stuff. Similar arm slot, over the top a little bit. Good slider, good breaking ball, and, and works in 
um, a mid-90s fastball. And, and one that, um, from, from what I've heard from other and it was who was it from? Some someone in Reading, I believe, that they saw in the video is his fastball with a little cut. So definitely an interesting arm and someone that has really excelled. And I think he's very similar to Karinchak in that kind of dog mentality. Maybe not as extreme as Karinchak, but someone who's definitely built for that backhand role and someone I'd be excited to to see move through the system. He's he's someone that uh will definitely be on Cleveland, I think, in a couple of years in that bullpen moving forward. And right there, everyone, that's why you want to make sure to follow Caleb. And that's why we have him on the show, because that was completely me putting him on the spot. I had not even brought up that I was going to talk about that. It just kind of hit me at the end there. So he had that kind of knowledge right there on demand. So that's exactly why you want to follow him and why we brought him in, that he was able to pivot when I threw a giant curve here at the end of the show out of nowhere. So, uh, again, make sure to tell him where they – that was a very loud again. I'm going to apologize again. Uh, tell him where they can find you, Caleb. Yeah, you guys can find me on Twitter at CalebPhillips8. That's Phillips with one L. And, uh, you know, also make sure to, to follow the Lockdown Indians Twitter as well as we'll be uh, making sure to update that with new episodes and, and, you know, asking you guys questions that we might be putting in the show later later in the week as well. So make sure to follow both those Twitters here moving forward. Yeah, I, I definitely want to get – once we get the – what I will say is definitely follow it. Definitely send questions. I will get back to a regular mailbag when we get enough questions to have a regular mailbag. Like if people have responded well to that, I would gladly bring it back. It just can be a bit at times. We don't get as much. So make sure to follow both those accounts. Um, you can follow me at Jeff MLB draft. Uh, the draft is over uh, tomorrow. You'll get my rant on the the signings and the way those played out. I, I've been I've uh, short story. No, long story short, not short story long. Uh, the Mets are getting a lot of flack. The real villains, the Boston Red Sox. Tune in tomorrow to find out why the Red Sox are the villains, even though everyone is painting the Mets as the villains. I want to thank you all for listening. Remember, download daily. That's a small thing you can do to help the show out. Uh, reading and reviewing is huge. Uh, around the draft, we did crack the top 100 baseball podcasts. We still have not cracked the top 10 on Locked On for baseball. So download daily. If our, every listener did that, we would crack the top 10. Uh, so please do that. Thank you again for listening. And for the next year, go tribe after that, go guardians. <laughs>